ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Olani Pekun, the lead pastor of Church Bearers Church. Be edified and blessed. We Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Father, we give you praise. Can we begin to worship God right now? Can we give him praise all over here? Something strategic is about happening to us right now. We have a few of our brethren here with us. And if you are there, um, please lift your hands and worship God right now, right there where you are. This is no joke at all. The power of God is here. Everywhere the Holy Spirit is spoken about, he, he gives himself expression. Rakata Bayagabusha, make sure you are worshiping God right now. Rakata Bakusi Kete Brogodosi Gede Brogodosia Baba 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 Kosike Prokotosia Bahaya. Rakasokoto Brokosike Progodosia Baba Bakoshe. Mekata la Pradosi Kepredosi Kepra Bada Bada Baha. song I like us to sing. Daily as I live, often as I breathe, let my whole life be expressions of your grace. Make sure you are singing that song. Daily as I live, often as I breathe, let my whole life 
expressions of your grace. I don't know about you, but this is my outcry. Oh, daily as I live, often as I breathe, let my whole life be expressions of your grace. We cry, Abba Father, we cry, Abba Father. Thank you for the privilege of sonship. Thank you for the earnest of the spirit. Thank you because we are sealed unto the redemption of the purchased possession. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. We can take our seats. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd like to welcome everybody to this amazing teaching. Um, please invite people to connect because this, this is the part one of the teaching and it's going to be phenomenal by the grace of God. God has given his word. He has opened us up to understanding where the giftings of the spirit is concerned. Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. Um, and also as I teach, please pass comments on our platforms. It helps me know that you are following me. And I want to beg you at this time, make sure nothing disconnects you. For those that are joining us online, make sure you are connected because um, by the grace of God, um, this teaching will revolutionize your life. I know it. By the grace of God, um, this particular teaching is one that God has given me amazing revelations on the most. Um, the things I learned where the giftings of the Spirit is concerned, I learned them by experience. Um, giftings of the Spirit is a subject matter that it can look close yet far. It means that the person beside you might demonstrate the things of the Spirit with such ease, and yet you are finding it difficult. And unfortunately, that person himself can find it difficult to explain it. You know, I remember a question I kept asking when I was a young believer. That was 2002-2003. I had this consistent question whether the Sunday school topic was consistent with it or not. They knew me in church. I will raise my hand to ask one question. How can I hear God? I was born in RCCG and I saw my Jew at every interval while preaching. He would say, the Lord said there's someone here. And I watched a couple of Christian movies. Uh, some of those movies showed me that something came down with in white garments, <laughs> landed behind people, and we say, brother, Pule. So the movie was confusing me. I saw someone demonstrate it, but the movie made me feel like I had to hear something that looked psychedelic. So I asked the same question. And most of the time, they could not really answer me. So one day, he touched me that our general said, our daddy, Pastor, he had the boy. He said, someone asked me, how do you hear God? I said, 
you, you will hear him. <laughs> I still did not really answer my question. So, as I was explaining, spiritual things, especially giftings of the Spirit, can look close yet far. So, it takes God opening you up to it through practical experiences um, to be able to explain it. Can I hear an amen? amen. So, I'd like you to please get your jotting materials. Make sure you follow me. I'm on one of our platforms expecting to see comments as I teach. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Of course, when you heard concerning spirituals, you would have suspected that I will use 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you there? If you are there, say I'm there. So we are reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, Bible says, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, Paul expresses a very strong concern. And Paul's concern is this. He says, now concerning spiritual, that gift is in italics, and by implication, it was added by the people that interpreted to make it make sense. Um, of course, the Bible, especially the New Testament, was primarily really written in Greek. And that is why um, the Greek, um, the Greek um, um, interpretation at times gives a lot of essence to Bible understanding. For instance, there are different Greek words used for power in the Bible. I used to think it was three. Recently, I realized it was four. Now, but English would interpret it power. So for you to know, uh, that there is difference between exousia and dunamis, you may need to probe into the Greek. So when you see us criticize people at times for exalting Greek, um, we don't criticize Greek as it were. We criticize people in quote for putting Greek in the place of the interpretation the Holy Spirit should give. So that is stretching using Greek beyond balance. But Greek itself is necessary. So when they interpreted the Bible, as I said, um, they added gifts to it. It was not um, primarily in Greek. Um, hallelujah. So Paul said, let's read it without the gifts. Um, and let me know you are following me. Hallelujah. Paul said, now concerning spiritual brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So the concern Paul raises here is that but it is possible a believer is ignorant about spiritual things. It is possible a believer is ignorant about spiritual gifts. Thank God for the church these days that everybody is speaking in tongues. <laughs> when we got born again, it wasn't like that. When we, in fact, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I didn't want my pastor to know because I was too young to have been filled. So it was not like that. But now it looks like the knowledge of the things of the Spirit is becoming more um, um, prominent in the church. But when we got saved, it wasn't like that. So Paul said concerning spiritual gifts, I will not have you ignorant. And there's an example of a church that Paul saw that were ignorant of spiritual things. Acts chapter 19. Let's open to Acts chapter 19. There was a church ignorant of spiritual things. Acts chapter 19. If you are there, say I'm there. I need responses. I'm not seeing responses on our groups. 
Um, Acts chapter 19, we read from verse 1. Acts chapter 19, we read from verse 1. And it came to pass, I read from here, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. Paul went to the Ephesian church um, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Paul asked a critical question here. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So it means that the fact that these people have not received the Holy Ghost does not mean they have not believed. There's a sect that came up and said, if you don't speak in tongues, you are not born again. That is not true. It is possible you are born again and you are ignorant of spiritual gifts. So there are people who are truly born again, but they don't know tongues is for them. <laughs> Man of God, I met a lady in 2011 and I asked her, I said, have you been born? Are you, are you born again? Um, she said, yes. I said, are you baptized in the Holy Ghost? She said, um, no. I said, why? She said, um, I've attended um, several Holy Ghost baptisms. And um, our, <laughs> she said, I've attended several Holy Ghost baptisms. And our regional mommy said, it is not for me. Ha! Now, if you are not experienced as a preacher, you will begin to blame regional mommy. Regional mommy too is ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. So it is possible you have a bit tied to, but you are ignorant of spiritual things. So Paul said concerning spirituals, I will not have ignorance. So Paul got to the Ephesian church in Acts chapter 19, and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you got saved? Let's see their response. He said unto them, verse 2 I'm reading now, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much heard of the Holy Ghost. Now, Paul did not argue whether they believed or not, but though they have believed, there is a deliverable of redemption that is not at their disposal. And one thing is responsible for that, ignorance. So that you are ignorant about the possibility in God does not mean it does not exist. Now, someone can say miracles are gone. It is not true. But he will not experience the miraculous, not because God has not released the miraculous, but because he is ignorant of that possibility. So ignorance creates a world of your own where what is possible is not possible. Uh, if you are hearing me, let me hear an amen. amen. So some people are bold in their experiences. They are bold in what they think is not possible. In 2 Kings chapter 7, the prophet said by this time tomorrow, a morsel of wheat shall be sold for so, so, so. And the man spoke loudly in ignorance. He said, even if God will open the windows of heaven, it is not possible. Now, that statement in itself shows that this man knows nothing about the windows of heaven. Yes, sir. Possibly this man has not heard the story of what happened in the wilderness. God that brought out quail. Yes, so, this man spoke as though he knew God, but he didn't. So, you can speak boldly from ignorance. It only limits the possibility you experience. Yes, sir. Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So, they are my people. They have access to all I have, but there is still a possibility they don't access something because they don't know. 
So enjoying anything at all is knowing, first of all, that it is at, at, at your disposal. Can someone say after me, say the gifts of the Spirit are at my disposal. Oh, glory to God. If you are getting blessed, can I hear an amen? amen. So Paul said, concerning spiritual gifts, I, Paul, would not have you ignorant. Let's continue reading um, the story of this church. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, we have not so much heard of any Holy Ghost. So if they have not heard of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost was still functional in them though, because it was the Holy Ghost that effected their salvation, but it's not fully functional. Because knowledge, knowledge um, empowers productivity. Now, there's another category of people um, they have experienced something about the Holy Spirit. Some of them even speak in tongues, but their knowledge is not full about the things of the Spirit. So some of them speak in tongues, but they don't know the possibilities that are in speaking in tongues. So ignorance is in levels where spiritual things is concerned. And that's why this teaching is possible. Let's finish their story, verse 3. And he said unto them, Paul said it like he was raising an alarm. Unto what then were you baptized? Um, the word baptized is from the Greek baptizo, which means to immerse. Hey, So when we say we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it means we are immersed. You can be immersed in the Holy Spirit such that you, when you are immersed in something, you are underneath it. You are not seen. It is that thing that is seen. So when a man is immersed in water, he is not seen. It is the water that is seen. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are not seen. He is seen. Oh, is somebody hearing me? I will pour my love on you. We told him nothing back from you. You're the God who deserves my worship and my praise. I will pour my love on you. We told him nothing back from you. You're the God who deserves my worship and my praise. <laughs> oh. them. He said, unto what then were you baptized? Verse 3. And they said unto John's baptism, which is baptism by immersion into water. Ah! Then said Paul, verily, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which will come after him. That is, the on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. I love verse 6. Verse 6 says, And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues. Now, let me say this very, very important truth to you. Paul 
God didn't waste time teaching them too much of the Holy Ghost first. He demonstrated the Holy Ghost. The primary way the Holy Ghost is known is by demonstration. Now, the teaching begins to make more sense after demonstration. The teaching is still needed. But the teaching does not make enough sense until there is an experience first of all. So Paul will begin to teach them later of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is better felt than felt. <laughs> oh, I believe somebody is hearing me. Now, Paul met the people. They said they were not baptized in the Holy Ghost. Paul did little explanation, first of all. Demonstrated the Holy Spirit. First of all, they received the Holy Spirit, then the teaching will make sense. So if you are listening to me all over the world right now, and you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, lift your hands right there where you are right now, and be filled now. 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 Be filled. Shekabada Bakosa. The rest of you that are filled, please pray in the Holy Spirit right now. Make no mistake about this teaching. There is an active operation of the Holy Spirit. You see, the best a teacher can do is to teach you into experience. So, until you experience the things I'm saying, you cannot really say you know them. So, the things of the Holy Spirit is not such that you teach without making available the demonstration. So, we teach the Holy Spirit with practical demonstration. Can I hear a resounding amen? Amen. Glory to God forever. So Paul did not spend too much time trying to speak English to them. Paul laid hands on them. Let's finish that scripture and move. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake in tongues and prophesied. Now this scripture is very significant. Now, we know that what we call baptism of the Holy Spirit is people being ministered to and they speaking in tongues. But another thing happened when Paul laid his hand on, on them. They prophesied. Now, that shows you that Holy Ghost baptism is at the root of every other experience of what the Holy Spirit brings. Holy Ghost baptism is at the root. So they did not just speak in tongues here. Yeah? They prophesied. There was no record of Paul teaching them to prophesy. But because they experienced the person of the Holy Spirit, he took it over from there and gave expression to himself. So listen to me. If this teaching does not achieve hunger, it has not achieved the reason why it is taught. So after this teaching, you must be hungry for an experience. Because it is the experience that guarantees knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen? So let's move. We have seen the place where we took our topics from. So Paul said, I would not have you ignorant. 
till I lose just like you. <laughs> now, the believer belongs primarily to God. The believer belongs primarily to God. Can you say, I belong to God? Oh, some people are not sure they belong to God. Say it like you are sure. Say, I belong to God. Who belongs to God here? Can you say, I? I belong to God. Hallelujah. And you don't belong to God just because you chose to belong to God. He bought you. 1 Corinthians 6.20 Bible says ye were bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.20 Ye were bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 7.23 Ye were bought with a price. And I remember teaching on this subject at some point um, and I said to them I said the buyer is the owner. Can someone say that after me? The buyer is the owner. Now when you bought your phone after paying for your phone, who did it belong to? You, am I right? Yes, sir. So Jesus paid for you with his precious blood and now he bought you legitimately. Mm-hmm. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now, but despite the fact that Jesus bought you, God will not impose salvation on you. Mm-hmm. So when the believer agrees that the payment of Jesus is for me, at that particular point, he belongs to God. Can somebody say, I belong to God? Don't miss the foundation I'm laying. Because this foundation will determine every other thing. Now, having said that the believer belongs to God, the believer is also sealed with the Spirit. You know, it's like after you have bought what is yours, you seal it. A seal is like a protective cover. The believer is sealed with the Spirit. Let's see 2 Corinthians 9 2. 2 Corinthians 9 2. The believer is sealed with the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 2. <laughs> so night will be great for someone. 2 Corinthians 9 2. Shade of Um, sorry we are reading Ephesians rather Ephesians 1 13 Ephesians 1 13 Ephesians 1 13 are we there Bible says something significant in Ephesians 1 13 he says, and I read, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and in whom also, after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You see that? You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So a seal is a protective cover. So God did not just buy you, He sealed you. And that is why, it is not necessary for the believer to be afraid of falling off. It is not necessary because you have been sealed. You have been protected. You have been protected. Bible says he is able to keep you from falling. You see that? So you have been sealed. 
Ephesians 4.30. Bible says we have been sealed. Let's read Ephesians 4.30. We are going to be reading a lot of scriptures. Make sure you don't drop. You need to follow me till the end. Because this, this teaching is a build-up. Ephesians 4.30. Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. So you have been protected towards a day called the day of redemption. So you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say, I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit? Oh, please say it like you are certain. Say, I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, hear me. You cannot miss me here. The Holy Spirit came to effect heaven's agenda, not man's. The Holy Spirit came on an assignment. The Holy Spirit came to effect heaven's agenda, not man's agenda. When you think Holy Spirit, you think God's agenda. So the church in itself is God's system of achieving His agenda. Can somebody say God's agenda? Now, the Holy Spirit, let me say this to you, and I'd like you to hear me. I think I'll prefer to stand. I need to say this to you. You were sealed for the reason you were bought. Hey, Kayaba. Can someone say after me, say, I was sealed for the reason I was bought. It means if I buy this cup to drink water, if I will be preserving the cup, I will be preserving it for it to be useful when I want to drink water. There's a reason why you were bought. Nobody buys something for no reason. We established earlier that you have been bought with a price. Who is bought here? Now, you have also been sealed for the same reason you were bought. So we will need to investigate why you were bought. Now, the person that bought you is the one that can give expression to why you were bought. And if you have come into that buying, it means the ownership of the person that bought you, you must begin to fulfill the reason you were bought. Now, just follow me. Now, Bible says something. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Romans 8 9 says, He that hath not the Spirit is none of his. The implication of it is that it is not possible you are saved and you don't have the Holy Spirit. It means everybody that is saved has the Holy Spirit. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't yet belong to God. Because it is the Holy Spirit that comes to effect the reason you were bought. It is the Holy Spirit that comes to effect God's agenda. You will wonder where we are going. Please follow us till the end. Now we know why we were. If we know why we were bought, we will know why we are sealed. Are, are you following me here? Am I saying clear at this point? So if we know why we were bought, we will know why we are sealed. So first, in this first part of this teaching, we will be investigating why we were bought. You will be sealed for the reason you were bought. I've said that. Let's see 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Shevede bakosi badaya yamanosi. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. I read from here. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye are of God, 
which you have of God and you are not your own. Can somebody say, I'm not my own? I think we need to teach believers these days that you are not your own. You don't live for you anymore. You have been bought. You have to live for your buyer. Let's see the next verse, verse 20. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, this scripture seems to point to a reason you were bought. To glorify God. Bible says that ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, called to show forth the praise of him. You were bought for him, not for you. Oh, is somebody hearing me here? Can somebody say I was bought for him? So he says, since you have been bought, you must glorify your buyer. You must glorify your owner. It means you could not have been bought to live for yourself. Someone says, how is this connected to the gifts of the Spirit? You will understand. I'm building this somewhere. So you were bought to glorify God. Now, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, um, the truth shall be established. Let's see the second witness. 1 Corinthians 7.23 1 Corinthians 7.23 1 Corinthians 7.23 Ye are bought with a price, be not servants of men. It means you have not been bought to please men. Oh, is somebody still here? You have not been bought to even please men. You have not been bought to serve men. Now, is it bad to serve humanity? No. But you are going to serve humanity representing your owner. Not with the desire for attention. You have primarily been bought to glorify God. Can somebody say I was bought to glorify God? Can somebody say I was sealed to glorify God? Now, I will look at another witness. Hebrews 9.14. Let's see Hebrews 9.14. Please don't miss me in this teaching. Ah, it's important you don't. Hebrews chapter 9. I'm looking for Hebrews here. Hebrews 9.14. I read from here. Are we there? Yes, Hebrews 9.14 Bible says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, push your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Uh, can you see the reason why you were caught? This scripture in Hebrews says something very critical. It said, Jesus did all the sacrifice in this. So that you can be able to serve the living God. Who is getting me here? So we have established from different witnesses the reason why you were bought and the reason why you were sealed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can see that people are following me. And that is really exciting. Now, that being established... That you were bought primarily to serve God. You were bought to live for God. It means that if I'm born again and I'm a medical doctor, I will live for God. Imagine Joseph was prime minister and he was not conscious of his assignment. He was not living for God. He would not have fulfilled it. So position, platform in this kingdom 
is a means to an end and not an end in itself. That we should use it to serve the living God. Is somebody hearing me? Is somebody hearing me? So that is established. Having established that, now I have said something that you were not bought to serve you. Matthew 6.33 Matthew 6.33 says Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and every other thing will be added. Including everything you need. It means your primary assignment is to seek the kingdom. Is somebody hearing me here? Somebody say after me, say my primary assignment is to seek kingdom. Hallelujah. So you were born to serve God. And that is why materialism message cannot be the will of God. Because materialism projects self. Materialism makes you feel you are in church for you. No, no. Prosperity is the will of God. Materialism is not. Now, let me explain prosperity. Now, the way we teach prosperity in this kingdom is that you know that when you prosper, it is for service. It is to serve God. Are you following what I'm saying here? But when we begin to exalt materialism, when someone says, if you don't have this car, that means you are not saved enough, that is not scriptural. If you are getting blessed, say amen. Now, let's move to our teaching again. I laid that foundation, you will understand why now. Having established this, the operations of the Spirit in the life of the believer is to be able to serve God effectively. Because the Holy Spirit has come to effect heaven's agenda. So there is no body that has really achieved serving God well without the Spirit. The work of God is not designed to be done without the help of the Spirit. So to try to achieve the work of God in the flesh is to struggle unnecessarily. So I know you want to serve God. You now know this is the reason you have, you have been saved. Now, to be able to do this effectively, you will need to trust the Holy Spirit. I'm not teaching you in the power of the flesh now. I'm teaching you by the power of the Spirit. Because flesh profited nothing. It is the Spirit that quickness. So, to serve God, you need the help of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit achieves this in the life of the believer. I need you to look at me. The Holy Spirit achieves this in the life of the believer in two ways. How many ways? Or say it again. Or say it like you are sure. Now, the Holy Spirit works in the life of a believer in two ways. What it does in the believer and what it does through the believer. You can see that we are moving to gift of the Spirit little by little. I need to lay that foundation. What it does in the believer and what it does through the believer. Another word for what it does in the believer is fruit of the Spirit. Now, what we are saying in essence is that the Holy Spirit produces the character of God in a believer and the Holy Spirit produces the competence of God in a believer. So there are two operations of the Spirit, character and competence. Now, some people are not ignorant of the character that the Holy Spirit produces. I grew up in such a setting. We were loud on the character that the Holy Spirit produces, but we were silent on the competence of the Holy Spirit. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. So definitely if you are saved, the Holy Spirit will work character in you. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. 
But the Holy Spirit also works competence, the power of God in the believer. So that tells us that the Spirit of God is working in the believer. Can the believer yes say after me say the Spirit of God, Spirit of God is working in me? Say it again. Say the Spirit of God is working in me. Uh, say after me. Say the Spirit of God is working to produce character. The Spirit of God is working to produce competence. It means when I see that I lack patience, I trust the Holy Spirit to produce that in me. When I see that I lack love work, I trust the Holy Spirit to produce that in me. When I see myself getting angry unnecessarily, I go to the Holy Spirit. Can you produce the character of God in me? Are you following what I'm saying now? Now, the Holy Spirit also produces competence. Bible says in Acts 1.8, it says, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So that thing called power of God is the product of the working of the Holy Spirit. And believe me, the Holy Spirit makes you really supernatural. Oh, someone didn't hear that. I said the Holy Spirit makes you really supernatural. We supernatural here. Oh God, I said we supernatural here. Oh, glory to God. The Holy Spirit makes you really supernatural. So, and don't forget that I said something. Don't be so conscious of the character that you, you, are, you, you are not aware of the competence. It is, they are, the two are the working of the Spirit. I'm rushing for a reason. So, Acts 1 says something that proves what I'm saying. It says, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Jesus speaks to them. He says, don't try to witness outside of the power of the Spirit. The attempt to witness without power of the Spirit will be futile. It is the Spirit of God that quickened The flesh profited nothing. So God, Jesus saw that you need the Spirit to witness effectively. Because the Holy Spirit is the witness. Let me explain where witness is. Ah, someone, someone, this will bless someone. Go Rabba to say. I'm about to say something. Pray in the Spirit before I say it. Pray in the Spirit before I say it. Amen. When you bring a witness in court, it comes with evidence. I, I saw a film. Um, the person gave a testimony of a deadly ruler. And the judge said, this testimony is without a witness. So it is ruled out. So if there is a testimony without a witness in court, it is not valid. Now, Bible did not just call us preachers. Bible called us witnesses. How many witnesses do we have here? Yes, sir. So your witness is not without evidence. Yes, sir. Oh God. Yes, sir. I said your witness is not without evidence. Yes, so you are witnessing Jesus with the power of the Spirit. So I know healing the sick is not salvation, but it's a sign. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. So when you heal the sick, that is the evidence that Jesus is alive. And someone comes to believe by that evidence. So your witnessing is not without evidence. Someone say that after you say your witnessing is 
not without evidence. And you can never produce that evidence of the gospel without the power of the Holy Spirit. Who desires to produce evidence here? I desire to produce evidence because I'm a witness. I'm not a witness without evidence. When I stand before the unsaved, I have come with the evidence of the gospel. Because the kingdom of God is not in words, it's in power. <laughs> are you getting blessed tonight? Hallelujah. So we are witnesses with the evidence of the gospel. So we have established that you can't be a Christian without the spirit. And we have seen the two operations. The workings of the spirit in you and the workings of the spirit through you. And believe me, if you demonstrate power without character, you can spoil what you have built. How that it is possible people come close to you because of power, when they notice you don't have character, you can, you can affect them. So character is strong in what the Holy Spirit produces and competence is strong in what the Holy Spirit is producing. Now, which takes us to the core of this part? You must not miss this part now. If you truly get this part, you would have understood the secret of power. Many people have come to ask me after meetings, how do you do it? What is your secret? I suspect it is that secret that I've put together in this message. And if someone can truly open his heart and hear this secret today, your life will change. Akapa, pray in the spirit right there where you are. Daily as I live, often as I breathe, let my whole life be expressions of your grace. I don't know about you, that's my heart cry. Daily as I live, often as I breathe, let my whole life be expressions of your grace. Hallelujah. To give expressions to the workings of the Holy Spirit in you and through you, there are certain things that must be in place. And I speak to you by the authority of God's word that it is not possible these things are in place and you are not giving expression to the Spirit. We have established a foundational thing that must be in place to be able to give expression to the Spirit which is being saved first of all you were bought with a price and you were sealed for the reason you were bought now having established that to give expression to the holy spirit there must be what we call yieldedness can somebody say yieldedness oh god it's like you're not getting me can you say yieldedness Yieldedness. now let me explain the implication of yieldedness to you Jesus has died for the whole world. How many believe that? The whole world. In fact, if the person that is unsaved outside wants to get saved today, Jesus will not die a new death. That death caters for it, past, present, and future. But nothing is imposed on man without his will. That is why, though Jesus has died for that unbeliever, he can only come into Christ when his will brings him there. If he says, I allow Jesus into my heart, I make him my Lord. That is the unbeliever yielding to salvation. 
So the pattern of God's oppression is that what God has done in Christ comes into your life to the degree to which you allow it. Yieldedness is allowing God to take over you. Yieldedness is letting go of your will and allowing the Spirit to take over. Romans chapter 6 explaining something different. Explains yieldedness in a way. Let's see how Romans chapter 6 explains yieldedness. Romans chapter 6 says, Yield your members as instruments of righteousness. It means it is possible your members want to do what they like. Your members are part of your body. He said, now you deliberately yield it as instruments of righteousness. So, letting go of your will and letting God take you over. God would almost not do anything in your life independent of your consent. I think if you know what I'm saying, you will know that that is powerful. It means even God will not do anything in your life independent of your consent. So God working in your life is possible to the degree to which you yield. To the degree to which you are not serving flesh. And I will explain this serving flesh. And I don't want you to miss me. I ask people that say I want power. Why do you want it? I know people would interpret serving flesh as not sinning. That is valid. But that's not what I'm saying here. Why do you want power? There are people that want power for status. They have seen Pastor Chris or Yakilomel. Ah! This man is a big man of God who God empowered me to. My friend, that is the wrong reason. You want power so that you can be big. You are not yielded. Now, let me explain. A yielded man wants power for the reason for which God wants to release power. Can you see the reason why it's easy? A yielded man sees God's agenda as the salvation of the world. And he desires power to be able to preach salvation. So there is a meeting point of will there. He wants power for the reason God wants to release it. Why will God withhold it? So until we go back to check our motive, the degree to which we are yielded. You know, someone might have seen that there is no power person that is poor. Have you noticed that power people are rich? Ah, you don't desire power so as to empower your pockets. You desire power for the reason. You know, I said something. That's why I said this message is a build up. The Holy Spirit comes to effect God's agenda. So if you desire power for God's agenda, ah, the Spirit will will. You know, Bible says the Spirit gives as it will. So if I know this will change your life. It will change your prayer for power. When you want to pray for power now, you are seeing that souls are perishing. Men are sick. And God doesn't want them sick. God empower me so that I can represent you. That's yieldedness. Letting go of your will. Yieldedness is saying, Lord, I live for your agenda. I want us to say that three times. Say, Lord, Lord, 
I live for your agenda. Oh God, say they can say, Lord, I live for your agenda. Oh, say they can say, Lord, I live for your agenda. That's yieldedness. Now, you wonder why the early apostles demonstrated so much power? They lived for God. You don't get it. Have you seen it in the scriptures? The early apostles lived for God. Everything about them was the gospel. Ah! Paul said to die is gain, to live is Christ. And that's why they didn't need demonstration of power was no big deal to them. It was it was easy. And it didn't even make them feel more important. You know, Paul performed a couple of miracles and he just gone. Because the reason why we perform the miracle is for the gospel. It's not for status. Now, Paul's desire for power, for instance, would not have been for status. Let's see Philippians 3. I know you should be getting blessed. If we don't address motive and I begin to teach you gifts of the Spirit, it will still look far. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I will read from verse 1. Bible says in Philippians 3, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. Indeed, uh, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Hallelujah. I read verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit. And rejoice in Christ Jesus. We have no confidence in the flesh. You see that? Paul said we have no confidence in the flesh. We don't serve flesh. Let's see the next the next verse. Interesting. Arabakato. He says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he should have confidence in the flesh. Let me explain what Paul is saying. Paul is saying we are not in this for status. If it's for status, I had status before I got saved. I hope you know, Paul was a national figure. Are you following what I'm saying? Paul was a national figure before he got saved. But he said, all things that were gained to me, I counted them as dogs that I may gain Christ. Can you see that? Living for the agenda of God. Who is getting blessed here? Let me know if this is blessing you. I'm seeing a couple of comments. For me, I'm not under pressure to work miracles. I put pressure on the gospel. Because gospel is my intent. My desire is God's desire. And to the end, God will show up to fuel his desire. I really hope you are getting me. Now, is it possible that someone that does not desire power for the reason God gives it gets power? Yes. I'm telling you. If you pray to a point, you can touch power. But power in the hands of someone who is not yielded to the will of God is destructive. And that's why you will see someone is using power to fuel his anger. He says, I will curse you. God will not release power to destroy his people. But power is likely in the hands of someone who is not broken. So he's seeing people in their faults, not their prophetic destiny. 
So when power falls into the land of someone who does not have God's agenda, power is not as useful as it should be. I can tell you stories upon stories of men of God. They said a man started a church opposite another man of God that is known for authority. And the man of God said in Yoruba, Ah, oh, that church, let's see what you meaning he should serve his baby and unfortunately for the man I'm telling you a true life story he started sleeping with choir members started, why is he always choir member? no, he started <laughs> you know I just talk of it, that choir choir now, he started sleeping with choir members and people that left the old man's church started returning that's not what power is for you see, the person that desires power for the reason God releases it knows that we are not on a different team. We are on the same team, working for one master. Yes, sir. Working for one master. So, yieldedness to God's agenda, knowing God owns you, is the secret of power. So that you can use God's power to build what God is building. Ah, I'm about to say something very controversial. Many men of God are building empires of their own. Not of God. So God is not releasing power for you to build your empire. He's releasing power for you to build ease. So if you desire power for the right reasons, you will get power. You will heal the sea. I'm telling you, these things are easy. I've ministered in it today. But because I'm not going to snap it, I snap with it. You see, if you minister in it to the believer, it's because you know that you cannot lose a laborer. If this believer dies, we are short of one laborer. And the laborers are few. So the intent is that we need to heal this laborer so that more people can be saved. Not the love by Julon. The world of Morevuni, where did they kill smile? I think I've changed. So let's not go back to what I used to do. <laughs> so what are you building? Your empire of God. This generation must answer this question. Number two thing, if you will experience the power of the Holy Spirit, which you must have, and I'm going to explain this very quickly, and then we close, is hunger. Can we sing this song? I will never settle for less Cause I know there is more that's found in you he says, I will never settle for less because I know there's more that is found in you. Will never settle for less. I know there's more that's found in you. I will never settle for less. I will never settle for less. Hey, I know there's more that's found in you. 
seeking God. But if there is a, de- a desire I have is that the whole generation seeks God. Mm. In the days of Joseph and Yobabalula, we are talking of him. Yes, sir. In the days of Archbishop Ben Sindhausa, we are talking of him. Mm. Can we talk of a whole generation? Bible says the earnest expectation of the creatures eagerly awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. Not one of the sons. All of us can be hungry for God and all of us can command the supernatural. Can I say this to you? If God empowers all of us, He doesn't reduce it. Yes, So everybody can do what Archbishop Idaosa did, even in his generation. Everybody could have done what Babalola did, even in his generation. But how hungry are you? When I cook, Thank God we're in my house. I cook very much. Because I'm not so much of a kitchen person. I want to use one sacrifice in the kitchen to perfect my stomach for like three days. <laughs> I know some people are laughing now. So I use one sacrifice to perfect different meals. Now, but when I get to the pot, I will only take as much as I can eat. But there will be more in the pot. Yes, sir. What if I could finish everything in the pot? Will I finish it? So in God, it depends on how much you can dig. Yes, sir. If you don't dig, you cannot be deep. Hunger mm. is what makes you dig. Mm. How heavy is your hunger? Mm. Let me tell you something. When someone is hungry and he goes to buy food, he is hungry enough to exchange money for food. Money is precious to him, but he's willing to let go of that money for the food to fill his belly. Mm. What are you ready to let go for this power? Mm. The reason why some of us will stay in prayer and we will not live there, we will not eat for days, is because nothing is too big to let go for this agenda we are on. Hey, is somebody hearing me? Let me now explain hunger very well. (laughs) <laughs> I'm seeing different responses. Hunger is a state of heart, an uncontrolled desire for something. When a young man is hungry for sex, he said it's not correct. I don't know if you have seen any. He comes outside and takes bite. He can call UI from here. UI is not far from my house, for instance. He can call you out from here. The white man says 500. Because he's not, he's not going. He says, okay, keep going, keep going. His head is not correct. Hunger takes your whole being and determines your pursuit. You will definitely pursue what you are hungry for. When a generation is hungry for money, they will pursue money. 
Many young people today are hungry for money. Let me ask you. In Ibadan, for instance, I'm broadcasting from Ibadan. Coffee starts 7 p.m. If someone tells you to come and collect 20 million by 7.30, you will risk it as I'm seeing your eyes. <laughs> you will ask yourself, how many stripes will the soldiers give me? Didn't Jesus take more? <laughs> I will go. Because you are hungry for money. I about being hungry for power. I don't know about you. I cannot cope with Christianity without power. It is disgusting to say Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood. Oh, okay. The gospel is not good history. It's good news. Hey, but it's okay. I said the gospel is not good history. It's good news. It means when we preach the gospel, that power is available now. Be hungry for power. Be hungry for power. Be hungry for power. Now, I need to explain something here so that you don't get me. If you are hungry, nothing will be too costly to achieve yieldedness. I'm about to say something you must not miss. When we fast and pray, are we paying the price for power? No. My friend, you can't afford the price for power. Jesus paid the price for power. And that is why they are gifts of the Spirit. You can't hang gifts. Gifts are given. If I free because someone paid for it, Jesus is the one that paid the ultimate price for our demonstration, not you. What you are fasting and praying to do is to achieve alignment and yieldedness. Because the flesh is always against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. So when we fast, we kill the flesh. So that the spirit can take it. Your poor lady fasting cannot pay for what God will do through you. Oh. Jesus paid. It is a gift. Because if you begin to have consciousness of earning gifts, you are, you are missing it already. Mm-hmm. But I know that self can hinder me from manifesting fully. So at the place of prayer, I make sure self goes for the spirit. So what are we fasting to do? To kill flesh. Somebody hearing me. So I said something very strong. If you are hungry, nothing will be too costly to achieve yieldedness. So I will stay in my prayer room. And I will stay there first day, second day. Someone that is not hungry does not understand what I'm doing there. But I am hungry. So the more broken you are, the more yielded you are, the more power is expressed to you. Now, listen to this very carefully. In the arrangement of prayer, the ultimate destination is not things, it is God. The destination in prayer is God. And I will explain. If you pray for this keyboard and you get this keyboard, as much as you have gotten this keyboard, you have had an understanding that God can provide. So when you pray to a point, your destination is, is God. Things are by the way. 
So a yielded vessel is a usable vessel. I said a yielded vessel is a usable vessel. Oh God. I said a yielded vessel is a usable vessel. At this point of yieldedness, God is permitted to make you pray for his own cause. Now, at the peak of wickedness, God runs your prayer life. <laughs> I hope you are getting what I'm saying. You can desire and go to prayer based on your own desire. But when you pray to a point and you are broken to a point, you don't pray for your personal need. You pray for God's need. So God runs your prayer life at the peak of yieldedness. Can you imagine Pastor Debe praying, Lord, give me a car. So at that point, God will be compelled to take away personal need from you. Because you are more useful. Your prayer life will be God's investment. I hope we are understanding. I know it is deep. I'm trying to simplify it. Can someone say, I want God to run my prayer life? God can just wake you up 3 a.m. when sleep is sweet. Who knows that sleep is sweet in 3 a.m.? Yes, sir. And say, pray for Indonesia. Now, you look at Indonesia, you don't have relative there. You don't have business there. And you're like, God, which is concerning concern Indonesia now? A yielded person stands up and prays for Indonesia. Because for a yielded person, God's wins are his wins. Mm. So a yielded man we ask this question as I close. A yielded man we ask what will God require for me to become? What will going for God require that I become? Remember, we are going for God. We are on an assignment for the gospel. And that's why we need gifts of the Spirit. What will it require that I become? And a yielded person asks this question too. What will going for God require that I let go? To a yielded person, nothing is too big to let go. This is yieldedness. Produced by hunger. Shanema Ketoya, I will pour my love on you. We told him nothing back from you. Can you see the reason why I sang that song? You're the God who deserves my worship and my praise. I will pour my love on you. We told him nothing back from you. You're the God who deserves my worship and my praise. Pray this prayer, oh God. I want to live for your cause. I refuse to live for myself. I'm living for your cause. I am yielded to the Spirit. I desire power for the reason for which you want to give it. You're the God who deserves my worship and my praise. Pray that prayer. Oh, oh, Keranabaha. Oh, you're the God who deserves my worship and my praise. 
Christian ang mahato. Like a lamb you spoke no word. In Jesus' precious name we pray. We will release this message. Make sure you listen to it again and again. This will launch you into the world of endless possibilities in God. By God's grace, tomorrow, tomorrow, 3.30 p.m. Service will begin earlier tomorrow. We will look at the diversities of gifts. You know, I told you this is part one. So we will look at the word of the power gift, the revelation gift, the vocal gift, and all that tomorrow. Then on Sunday, we will complete this teaching on the subject, taking your place. You know that if God gives all of us gifts, um, we are working for a team and we have different roles. So taking your place will be on Monday, on Sunday. The Lord bless you for coming and the Lord bless you for connecting. Send me a message. Let me know how much this has blessed you. The Lord bless you. Some of you might want to take time to pray after now. Please make sure you are given to prayer. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.